Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope that this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. Good morning. How are y'all today? Are you blessed? I tell you, I, I am a blessed man. You know, I really am. I was thinking about that this morning. Of course, it's Thanksgiving. You think about that. And uh, I was thinking, you know, every day I get to see my little kids. Uh, I'll walk down from teaching in my classroom, and I'll walk down, and I'll, I'll kiss my little three-year-old. Then later I'll get to hug my six-year-old. Then sometimes I get to see my 12-year-old in the hall. She tries to avoid me, you know. And, uh, but, you know, this is a blessed, wonderful campus. You know, um, I, I have great mentors. I have a great pastor. I have a great pa- uh, senior, uh, former pastor. And um, I have a great mentor with Mr. Skelton. And I even have a great boss. You know that Brother Scotty's a great boss? And I'm just not saying that. You are a great boss. All right. And I'm not saying that. Just to, you know, I'm not brown-nosing or anything. Um, <clears throat> maybe, maybe just a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. But, uh, but I, I want to thank him for the opportunity to, to minister to you today. And, um, you know, earlier in the, in the ministry time, Brother Scotty was saying, you know, it's kind of cool how God works, doesn't he? God works pretty awesome. I, I did not share with him what I was preaching on, but what I'm preaching on is, is what's next, Papa life. A resurrection, I have dreams in my life for the future life. Makes exactly what the Lord shared with him earlier. Well, to start off with, if you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. And uh, I'm going to tell you a funny story before I get to this, and then we'll go from there. Um, we drove to North Carolina this week for Thanksgiving. My, my family's in eastern North Carolina. It's about, a, it's about a 12-hour trip, but it takes us 14. We have three, three children. And we stopped about halfway. We stopped. Of course, we stopped about six times. But we stopped at this gas station. And I was throwing some things away in the van. You know, when you have three kids and everybody's trying to eat and you're going 14 hours straight, I was trying to throw this, this Hardee's bag away, and I, I threw it away. But in the process, I had gotten some food out of it, whatever. Well, anyway, so we were driving down the road, and Lindsay's like, Robbie, you were over there rummaging through that Hardee's bag. You look like a homeless person. And I was like, you know, and I remember I had, I had gone through one of the packages and gotten a little piece of steak out because I was hungry. But I didn't really think about it. Well, about, about 10 minutes later, 10 minutes later, I started laughing. And she's like, why are you laughing? And I was like, well, I just realized that when I went inside, you got to realize our van's loaded with all our stuff. So it looks like we're living in it, right? So I went inside to get a cup of ice because we had Cokes and stuff in the car. And I remember I got the cup of ice and I went up there to the cash register to pay for it. And the lady said, oh, oh no, sweetie, you don't have to pay for that. And, and I was like, no, I don't, I don't mind. I, I can pay for the ice. And then, and then so I, I gave her a quarter, and she's like, well, you just have a blessed day. You know? The, so I'm talking about perception. The poor lady thought I was homeless. So anyway, so, but I'm not, you know? And sometimes we have the wrong perception of things. So, so look in John chapter 11, and this is about your destiny. This is about your future. Sometimes we have the wrong perception. So in John chapter 11... Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Go to verse 11. 
After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Verse 21. Lord, this is Martha talking to him. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. She didn't, she wasn't thinking that he was going to be raised from the dead because she said this. She said, well, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She didn't think he could be raised right then. She wasn't even thinking like that. And then Jesus said to her, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then go to verse 32. Then Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Neither one of them believed. She asked him, did she ask him to raise her brother from the dead? No, she didn't believe it. When Jesus saw her weeping, and also Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then Jesus wept. He cried. Now, oftentimes when he cries, we're thinking he was crying because his friend had died. I want you to think about this. I think he cried because of their lack of faith. I think he cried because he realized they didn't understand who he was. They didn't understand the blessing that was in their midst. They didn't understand the blessing that was to come because he was in their midst. They completely did not understand or recognize. And I want you to go to the very end. After he raised Lazarus from the dead, in verse 44, he says, take off the grave clothes. Take off the grave clothes. One of the things I'm going to challenge you today is take off your grave clothes. Take off the things of the past that you feel is holding you back, that you can't do this. There's no such thing as I can't in the name of Jesus. In Christ, we can do all things. In Christ, there is fullness of joy. Now, one of the positive things I want to tell you, and I'm sharing a lot of different things with you, is up on the screen you will see something where it says, Trust fund babies of the Most High. Now, do you know that you are a trust fund baby? Now, let me tell you what a trust fund is. A trust fund is a person who is born to someone with a large amount of money, who puts considerable assets aside in a trust for the child to access and use later. Now, oftentimes when we think of a trust, we think of people like the Kennedys. We think of the Kennedy family. We think of money. We think of wealth. We may even think of the Bush dynasty. You know, with the next picture, you have the Bush dynasty. You have George H.W. Bush. You have George W. Bush. You have Jeb Bush on the right, governor of Florida, or former governor who may be running for president in 2016. You may think of those when you think of trust. Have you ever thought that you have inherited a trust from your heavenly father? Now, I may not be a son of a Kennedy or a son of the Bushes, but I am a son of the Most High God. And you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. 
And in that, you can find confidence. You can find peace and you can find strength. In Romans chapter 8, if you'll turn there for me, please. Romans chapter 8. And this is talking about a resurrection life, a life led by the Spirit, a life where there are dreams, a what's next, Papa, I'm listening to you life. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and I'm going to be reading from the message. It's going to be up here on the screen. And it says, this resurrection life, resurrection life, you see on the screen here, Romans 8, 15. It's the next screen slide. Okay. All right. I'll just, you'll have to listen carefully. This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. There we go. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? How many of you know what it is to be led by the Holy Spirit? To be led by God. He's a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. He shows you one step at a time, but you trust him. He's always wasting the last minute, but he's always right on time. What's next, Papa Life? There's no better life. It's the answer to the key to life. God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are. Father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. You are heirs to an unbelievable inheritance. If we go through the hard times, so we go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him too. Can I get an amen? Amen. A resurrection life, a led by the Spirit, a what's next, Papa, what's next, Lord, life. Now, I want you to watch this next video. Now, I'm not trying to do this to be sentimental. I'm not the most sentimental or whatever person. But watch the video, and I'll tell you at the end, you're going to get it, I think. Watch this video.
If dogs deserve a second chance, how much of a second chance do you deserve? What's under all the hair of your life? What destiny lies under the pain and the sin of your past? It's time to let it go, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to shape it off. It's time to allow God to shed all the past sins and issues of your life. The past is the past. The past is the past. You have an unbelievable inheritance. You have a what's next, Papa life. You were created for a great purpose. You're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you look right now. Your destiny lies beyond the stuff of your past. It does. You have a dream. You have a purpose. God has one for you. And it does not matter that your destiny does not rely on your present financial position. It does not rely on your education or on your physical situation or on your age. You are blessed to be a blessing no matter where you are financially or where you are because of the inheritance of Jesus Christ. Think about the disciples. Think about the men of the New Testament. Paul had a great education. Peter, James, and John had none. Mark had a wealthy family. James was the son of a backcountry poor carpenter. Paul was almost blind and Moses could barely talk. God has a purpose and a plan for each of you. In John 14, 12, Jesus was speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper. Today, at the end of this, we're going to take communion. He was speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper. In John 14, 12, he tells them before they took communion, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And he's sending the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you two examples in my life of, of, of two men that I spent some time with. Uh, and you're going to see a picture up here of, of El Salvador and also Morehead City. And I'm going to compare the two. Um, I'm first going to talk about uh, El Salvador. I was in El Salvador when I was younger in my, my mid-20s for two months. Two months is a long time. I mean, it was for me. I know we have missionaries in here that spend years and years, and I, I have such admiration for the calling and the commitment you have in what you do. I, I tell you, just after two months, I was like, I was so homesick. But I remember there was a, a pastor there, and he lived in a house. See, that, see behind there in El Salvador? That's kind of the house he lived in. And we got to know him, him and his wife. And uh, he had three, excuse me, he had four boys. And they lived in a house like that. And we spent some time with them. They would invite us over for dinner. And I, I remember, and here was the thing. He always gave his best to us, my friend and I, when we were there doing mission work. Uh, they fixed a soup one time. And he fixed a soup with these vegetables and stuff. And there was like a chicken leg in it. And I could tell that they had slaughtered their chicken, you know, for the, you know, because you could just tell, you know, for, for the soup. But, you know, I, I did find out later that they never ate meat, and that was one of their only chickens that they had slaughtered it for us, and they had put the chicken leg there in the soup. And I remember we had given him a gift of a few hundred dollars, and he invited my friend and I because we didn't minister all during the day. We ministered at night and different things. And one day, we couldn't understand him real well. He said, look, I want to take you somewhere. We're like, okay. So we get on the car with him. He drives like two and a half hours away, and he takes us to this secluded beach area where there's this lagoon. It's like one of those things you see on the travel channel that people, no one ever can ever go to, that it costs like thousands and tens of thousands of dollars to get there. He took us there. And we spent the day relaxing on the hammock of this black sand beach. I don't think my wife ever knew about that. He, and I remember we even, we even had to go over a bridge. There wasn't even a bridge. It was just like two, um, 
two rails, and you like the car had to go over the rail over the river. He gave his best. He didn't have hardly anything. And I found out later the money that we had blessed him with, that's the money he used to take us on that vacation. God used him. But here's the thing. He didn't have a whole lot, but he gave the best of what he had. He knew that he would be blessed in other ways. On the other side of that is uh, another man that I spent two months with in an internship. I, I stayed at his house. To show you the comparison, Pastor Carlos had nothing, absolutely nothing, but gave the best he had. On the other side of it was Mr. Calvin, uh, Mr. Calvin Wellens, that I stayed with for two months, and he was worth uh, about $80 million. And I stayed with him in his house, and he was a very humble man. You would have never known he was worth that. Uh, we would sit and watch baseball, and we talk baseball. And I remember one day, uh, he's like, he said, I'm having some family come over, Robbie, and um, I'm going to put you up in somewhere else to stay. So I was thinking I was going to stay at another family member's house. So he said, no, here's the address. It's set up for you. So I go to the address, and it is literally a 20-person condo on the beach, on the beach. Like, it would, it would cost you $3,000 a week to, to stay there. And he said, you can stay there for a month. He didn't rent it. He just gave it to me to stay there by myself. It was kind of weird so I mean, saying something that big by myself. And, and to say something about Mr. Calvin, he never had a college education. He had a high school diploma. And um, I don't know if he got that. Him and his brothers would uh, sell rabbits when they were little. And after selling rabbits, they made sure they tithe on the, on the profit. And they turned that into an empire of millions of dollars. But he gave the best he had, too. He gave when no one else knew. It doesn't matter where you are. Some of you have money. Some of you don't matter, have money. It doesn't matter where you are. God can use you just where you are. And God wants to use you just where you are. John 2.10. John 2.10, you know this. Uh, this was the, uh, the wedding that Jesus went to. And he turned the water into wine. In John 2.10, it says... And this was the attendant to the banquet who was really surprised. You know, they have about a seven-day, in that time period, they have like a seven-day wedding. Can you imagine going to a seven-day wedding, six- or seven-day wedding, where you partied for seven days? And yes, they drank real wine uh, for, uh, for, seven, uh, for seven days, anyway. So you could assume by the end of the week that it would be strange to have something really nice in the wine department. And the attendant the banquet says, and of course, Jesus turned the water into wine. And it wasn't about the alcohol for Jesus. It was about a message to us today, Okay. He says, and the tenant says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And ladies and gentlemen, do you realize that there will be tough times in life? You know that you're going to go through tough times. But when everybody expects your worst, that's when you should present your best. When everyone expects your worst, that's when you should present your best. Your circumstances should never dictate who you are. You are a son and a daughter of the king. Lift up your head. Now, I got I to admit, I gave you that word, and I got to admit right here, I got I to ask for forgiveness. Right before uh, Billy Bean came to me, he said, I was opening the door all morning. Where were you, Robbie? Well, I was over in the church office until about two minutes before the service starts. My, my daughter's back thing on her tooth where her braces came off. The wire was sticking up. And I was in there with Clay trying to find scissors, whatever, trying to cut it. And my daughter was screaming at me. Well, not screaming, but you know how it is. A 12-year-old. And just that pulling away. And I lost my temper. I was like, I'm about to preach. And I just lost my temper two minutes before I got to go into the church service. 
when everyone expects your worst, that's when you should present your best. And I got to admit, I didn't present my best to my daughter. I had to walk over there after worship. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. I'm a bad daddy sometimes, you know. Well, thank you. When everyone expects your worst, that's when you should present your best. Romans eight seventeen. If you if we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him also. At the Last Supper in John fourteen one, Jesus told his disciples, He said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. Have you ever thought about that? That you're gonna be like moving in with your brother? Well, I mean, I know he's your God, but just think it would just go with me for a minute. No matter how bad it gets, you can always move in with your brother Jesus. We got a mansion in heaven, and we got a brother from another mother who has a big mansion in heaven that he's preparing for us. Heaven. You know, I, I don't think you should be so heavenly minded you're no earthly good, but I think it's okay to think about heaven. As a follower of Christ and as a believer, he has prepared a phenomenal place for us in eternity. And that should be of encouragement of you today. Well, I'm going to show you another little picture here. Okay. This is my dad's. When you walk out the back of his house, he has an enclosed porch. We were there this week. And that's a screen that covers the whole thing. I'm getting to a point here. Well, it was raining when we first got there for the first three days. And there was my son who is six, my other son who is three, and their first cousin who is three. Three boys, 16, 1700 square foot house, and there's nowhere to go except this little area back here. So can you imagine what could happen? If they have a football and a ball, what could happen? Well, it had gotten really well about one of the next to the last days. I heard something say, Robbie, you need to go out back. There's a problem. And, and Ace is going, I don't know. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I don't know what happened. I didn't do it. Well, they had gotten excited. They had kicked the ball. I don't really know the details, but my son, Asa, had kicked the ball through the screen, okay, and popped the whole screen up and everything. Well, you know, I thought my dad would be upset because when I was growing up, he would get really upset with things like this i got to be careful. I know he's going to listen to this sermon later, so i got to be careful. He, he would get real upset. But I guess it's that granddad thing, Brother Scotty. I, I don't know. It's that granddad thing. And, and it changes. And he was just like, uh, well, I'll get to it tomorrow. I was like, what? <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, what? Well, the next, I was like, well, I'll help you. He's like, oh, no, no, that's all right. Well, the next day was Thanksgiving, and I knew we were cooking. And I know it's been like three or four days with all the kids in the house, and it's supposed to be nicer weather. Obstacles can sometimes be our greatest opportunities and blessings. Because the next day, the next morning, my dad went out there and started fixing that thing. What I thought would take an hour took him four hours the whole morning. And I realized that man was a happy man being outside, doing something. He loved his grandchildren, but having a little bit of peace and quiet outside, you know. Sometimes our greatest obstacles can be great opportunities. And it can be great memories to look back on in life. And it can be great testimonies. You know, God is a good God. You know, you, you, I was thinking about how thankful we are. And I didn't plan to talk about this. But I, I remember 
I remember when, when my daughter was just a, a few months old and we were dealing with a medical issue she had. She had what's called an amangioma. I may have shared this with you before, where something starts to grow on the side of your, your face. And she had an aggressive one that was in her eyelid. It was on the side of her face in the back of her ear. And it already started to get big. It was impairing her vision. Um, we went to the doctors here and they said, no, sorry, you're going to have to go to Arkansas. There's a specialist there who can take care of it. You know, we're sorry. You know, you know we, don't, we can't help you. Uh, well, at the time, we had no insurance. No medical insurance. Didn't make a whole lot of money at all. And, and as a dad who feels like it's my responsibility, I was just like, what am I going to do? Well, to make a long story short, I'll, I'll thank the state of Alabama. They had all kids. We didn't know what that was. We were able to get on all kids. Our daughter got on all kids. We found a, through a connection of my mom who had a doctor friend who had a friend, we found out that there was a specialist at UAB and that all kids insurance would cover it. We went to UAB. We met this guy. He was a professor at UAB. He looked at my daughter. He said, you know what? The ladies who need uh, other type of plastic surgeries can wait. Uh, I'm going to do your daughter's surgery in like two days. He said, if not, he can pair her vision. We went back up there. He did the surgery. Uh, we went back a few months later, did another surgery. You can't even tell if you see my beautiful daughter. But I look back on that and I think, you know, God, you're a good God. God, you're now in the, in the midst of that, I didn't feel that way. In the midst of that, I felt out of control. I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't help her. I couldn't fix the situation. But that's the times we got to put our trust in God and know that he has a destiny. He has a purpose. He has a plan. All things come together for those that are faithful to our God. He is a good God. At the last supper, Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no greater life than a life in Christ. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the answer to life. We have the answer, the key to life, the key to happiness, and that's walking a resurrection life in the Spirit of God. There is no greater life than a Spirit-fed life, a what's-next-papa life. We have the key to happiness, the key to success, the key to financial blessings, the key to eternity. And it is a spirit-filled, spirit-led, I know I'm a trust fund baby, I have a brother from another mother, don't matter how, me, how much money my mama has, equal trust fund heir, blessed to be a blessing, child of not just a king, but child of the king, what's next, Papa, life in Christ, life. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Live Church of Mobile's podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at livechurchmobile.com.